Talk Live. The phones are open. If you want to join us here, the number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Joining you in the studio tonight, it's Ian, Matt, and Bonnie. Uh, by the way, I did have a gentleman call in just before the show to ask if we had heard that Adam Kokesh is out of jail. And yes, we have heard that. In fact, we have Adam booked for an interview coming up on Saturday night. So if you want to hear directly from the source as to what had happened to him over the last two weeks of him being imprisoned in some cruddy little county in Colorado, uh, the good news is they dropped the charges. So case dismissed. Oh, my God. I didn't yeah. hear that. That's fantastic yeah. news. It's great news. It's Why? Crazy. Now, Bonnie had asked, well, he's not here yet, so I, I, I can <laughs> presume that it's because they didn't want to go up against him. They they didn't realize they were dealing with an activist and a network of supporters, and they... Constant phone calls. And also dealing with a religious use of psychedelic mushrooms. For, which, veter- for veterans. For a veteran, yeah. So, I mean, did they really want to bring that in front of a jury? I guess not. And they decided relatively quickly that they didn't. Chickens. So they dropped the charge. What awful human beings they are. And there are some court cases out there that that support the right of an individual to use a psychedelic mushroom specifically for spiritual religious purposes, including in New Hampshire... Where actually it was about a year ago that the New Hampshire Supreme Court came out with a very strong um, ruling, unanimous, saying that New Hampshire, not only uh, the New Hampshire Constitution specifically is stronger than the United States Constitution on freedom of religion. And the way that it's stronger is the U.S. Constitution protects your freedom to have a religion. The New Hampshire Constitution protects your freedom to practice your religion. That's so interesting. That's I never heard that. You know, and it's kind of um, to bring the illicit substances into the religion. Um, it's surprising to me that New Hampshire protects that because one thing I did notice about New Hampshire when I moved here is it's a little bit prudish. Yeah, it's a little conservative in the governance, and and it's certainly behind the ball as far as marijuana decriminalization and that sort of thing but i mean the, what happened was there was a dude who got arrested for using and possessing psychedelic mushrooms the state police prosecuted him he was convicted at the superior court level he appealed it to the supreme court of new hampshire and he won that case Good like i said him. unanimous decision he's a member of the Oklavuha. I'm sure I'm mispronouncing that, but it's an Indian name from the West, I believe, of the United States. I think they started in like Arizona. So this Utah. guy in New Hampshire was a part of them? Correct. Oh. Yeah. Anyone can join the Oklahoma Psychedelic Church. I don't think they call themselves a psychedelic church, right. but that's sort of what they're known for. They've actually fought this in the past in other courts. But if you go to the Oklahoma website, they list their legal sort of history and one of like five things that they have on their site is that new hampshire supreme court case so to that church this new hampshire supreme court decision is a major decision uh as far as the the sort of positive decisions they've had nationwide and you know i was looking through that list my thought was well how many other supreme courts have had similar decisions they didn't list any others so and adam kokesh is part of that one right correct adam is part of the oklahoma church so they have some specific uh like factors that need to come into your use of the the psychedelic mushrooms like you're supposed to do it in private 
you're supposed to do it safely or whatever. There's a few different things that I don't have the, the list in front of me, but like you're not supposed Sounds to like give good it to, ideas. You're not supposed to give it to children. Like there's a certain list of things that you have to agree to in order to be a member of the the church. And so Adam's a member of that church, and I guess the prosecutors in the case looked up Oklavua Church because he sent a Adam refused to appear in front of the judge. He instead sent a handwritten uh, message to the judge in this case because he he wasn't even arraigned. They let him out of jail before the arraignment even happened. They they didn't want to arraign him unless he would physically appear in front of the judge. So instead, he just wrote a letter saying, you know, here I am. Here's what I'm going to do. <laughs> he basically said, look, this is my religion. And all of a sudden, less than two weeks later, charges are dropped. So we'll have him on Saturday. We'll talk about it. And uh, your question, Bonnie, I think you had two good questions last night. One of them was, did they give him the mushrooms back? Oh, good question. Yeah, that was one of them. And I think one... I asked, did he get his apology? Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, the apology is the, the cream on top. Right. He right was there. refusing bail until he could actually get a written apology oh, from the agents. So beautiful. I hope he got so, one. Yeah, I, I highly doubt it. Uh, but you know, if they're we, dropping the charges, you got to get out of the. I mean, you'd also have to assume cage. that they know how to read and write. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. So you want to bring up whatever's on your mind, whether it's uh, psychedelic medication or spiritual journeys or you know whatever you want to talk about. I know Bonnie, you wanted to discuss the Tiananmen Square uh, cover up that continues to this day. I mean, this was what 1989 or something when yeah. Tiananmen Square happened. Uh, and and the Chinese government is still working hard to prohibit the Chinese people from finding out about this particular historic event that many of us uh, remember. And it's one of those images that just burns into your mind. I was the- 14 years old and I'll never forget. I think that may have actually had something to do with me going down the path I did politically. Mm. You know, I was a good Republican child until I saw that. And, that, you know, you know, back then I believed in freedom still. And when I saw that, freedom took on a kind of a different definition. Like, I didn't understand that the Chinese people, you know, the communists are so iron-fisted and totally controlling of everybody and everything in their society. You can see that one little man run out in front of that army tank, and it spoke... Yeah, just a man volumes. with a briefcase, right? Just standing yeah. in front. No, it was of a like human. a grocery yeah, bag. Oh, was it groceries? He was. Just, he wasn't even a part of the. Uh, he wasn't even really a part of the, the uh, counter protest. The counter protest until he was in the moment and found himself right. in the middle of it, and he saw army tanks coming and ran out. He just out to get groceries for his yeah. family, and he ran out in front of that army tank and stopped Amazing. it. Stopped and the whole line of them. No one knows who he is. He's dead. never been identified. You said dead. Oh, he's almost certainly. Almost certainly, but. We don't still don't know. He's just known as Tank Man. Tank Man. And that particular event is prohibited information in China. And Bonnie, you've got a story about that uh, tonight. So what is going on with Tiananmen Square? What's the latest? Well, the monument that was there is now gone. Is This is from Hong Kong Free Press. University well, there. You mean it was in Hong Kong? Oh, yeah. In, in Hong Kong. Right. Yeah. University of Hong Kong removes Tiananmen uh, Massacre Monument in dead of night. Security staff surrounded the site as the view was obscured with curtains and plastic barriers around 11 p.m. The move was reportedly approved by the institution's ruling body. Workers at the University of Hong Kong removed the Tiananmen Massacre Monument late on Wednesday night, months after the university said the statue must go. Wow. 
I'm looking at pictures over here. Yeah, it's like them covering up. They covered it up with plastic first. Views of the area were obscured with curtains and plastic barriers around 11 p.m. Construction noise could be heard as the area was cordoned off without notice and surrounded by security guards. I've never seen this monument before. I just just now went look uh, looking for it. And yeah, is it like pink or flesh colored? Yeah, it's very disturbing. Uh, actually, when I heard Tiananmen Square monument, I thought, oh, it's going to be a monument to tank men. No, it's a monument to the victims of the massacre mm. uh, at Tiananmen Square, which is you know the part that doesn't get as much coverage. And it's essentially like this. I don't know if you want to like describe a it mound, like an, ex- like an obelisk of. Human bodies. Humans, yeah, like an ex nihilo kind of uh, art- artistic, just horrifying sculpture of just, I don't know if they're screaming or whatever. I'm not looking at a close up photo of it, but, you know, just tortured, awful uh, bodies. I mean, wow, just horrifying. You know, it's interesting because there once was a communist rock band that's very popular, and one of their lyrics goes, bury the past, rob us blind, and leave nothing behind, right? Rage Against the Machine said Oh, that. okay. And all I have seen are left-wing, communist, socialist-type people in the world today burying the past and robbing us of our history. So uh, we can talk more about what's happening with the Tiananmen Square massacre statue. I imagine it has been destroyed by the Chinese government here because, for those that don't know, China took back over Hong Kong more than 20 years ago, and they're they're buttoning up the shop. We're coming up here. This is Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live, and you can bring up whatever you want to talk about. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Free Talk Live is brought to you by Bitcoin.com. You can get over there and click Get Started if you're brand new to the world of cryptocurrency like Bitcoin and Bitcoin Cash. And you will be presented with some introductory videos, one of which I think the first one is all of three minutes long. So you don't have to spend a whole lot of time to get down some of the basic concepts that you need to learn uh, about when it comes to cryptocurrency. You need to know why this stuff is so much better than the money that has come before from governments, for instance. First of all, cryptocurrencies are not from governments, so that's one good thing in their favor. Plus, they're decentralized. You need to learn about the basics. So get over to Bitcoin.com, click Get Started, and you can do that there. If you're not brand new to crypto, then you can get the latest news headlines from their news site. Over at news.bitcoin.com, we're going to go to your calls and thoughts. Sam is on the line. We're talking about the uh, the massacre in Tiananmen Square and an, a statue that is now being removed or been removed from a uh, university in Hong Kong. Bonnie's got that story. We'll keep that going in a moment. But Sam, you're up. Go ahead. So I just find it interesting that in the Adam Kokesh case, they didn't even arraign him. Like, I've never heard of that before in any case. It's because he refused to. He refused to speak. He refused to leave his jail cell, actually. Hmm. So he spoke in the form of a letter to the judge that was delivered at the second attempt to bring him into the arraignment. But 
guards came to his jail cell, attempted to, uh, you know, hey, all right, it's time to go to your, your court hearing. And he just didn't, didn't leave his cell. <laughs> and they weren't going to make him, apparently. <laughs> so, like, like here, uh, there was a time when Lauren Canario, who was one of the earliest movers here for the uh, New Hampshire Free State Project, she's a much smaller little lady. Like, she's nowhere near the, the size of an Adam Kokesh. Right. And they would just take her and physically lift her into a wheelchair because she also refused to cooperate. That's right. Wow. Uh, with the police, but they would physically move her into and out of the, the courtrooms and the, the jail cells. In uh, Kokesh's case, they just let him sit in the jail. So they would have had an arraignment, but they uh, they did not. But I just find that shocking because I've never heard of a case like that before. And also, too, on the religious liberty front, uh, I've heard about other people doing similar things to like how the way magic mushrooms are handled in that case. There's this group out of North Carolina where literally they're doing their religion to get around the food safety laws from the state. Like they're making food from home? Is that what they're doing? So, like, they're packaging meat, but, like, the way that they're doing it, like, the federal government and state government would say it would be illegal to sell. Hmm. And so they put together this religious membership on purpose to get around it. Where was this? North Carolina? Uh-huh. Nice. Huh. I wonder, uh, so their their religion was founded to get, to get around this? I mean, because that's, uh-huh. that's interesting yeah. that it would, <laughs> it's interesting that would hold up in that's court. Awesome. Have they been challenged in court over this? What And what they is their religion? They have not been challenged yet. And do you know the name of their group or their religion? Because that sounds really interesting. Fork, fork to Food Meat Riot is the name of the website. Forked Food Meat fork Riot? Fork to Food? Yes. Fork to Food Meat Riot, and the name of the founder, her name is Nifi Bali. Um, I know that the feds were going after the Amish, I think, in Pennsylvania this year because they mm. were selling meat, and Milk they've and been stuff. doing it for over like 200 years or 150 years, and the government's trying to tell them, oh, it, it's unsafe the way you guys are doing this. And no customer has ever complained, right. but... And nobody's ever gotten sick from their meat, but they're not doing it the way the government wants them to. And they were going to find them something crazy, like $10,000 a day until they stopped. The Amish have been on the forefront of a lot of these things, like uh, raw milk, for instance. And they've they fought and they have earned uh, a lot of their freedoms in this case. But as you point out, Bonnie, they just keep on coming. Like the government gang will not leave them alone. So, Sam, I just want to make sure I got this correct. You said it's Fork to Food Meat Riot, R-I-O-T, yeah. like a riot? Yeah, that's the way that they pronounce it, at least in the name of her website. Huh. Yeah, I'm looking at it here. Niti Bali, N-I-T-I-B-A-L-I, two words. Um, it's a 501c3. Huh. You they, know got, they actually got 501c3 status. You know what's great about food that you think is done in an unsafe way? You don't have to buy it. Yeah, I know. Right. That's the funny part. <laughs> but yet the state doesn't think we can make that choice. Thank you, Sam, for your call tonight. I appreciate hearing from you. The number, if you want to join us, 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. We're talking about the, uh, the protests in Tiananmen Square and everybody remembers Tank Man, but there was, you know, a reason why the, the military was there, and that was due to uh, protesters, student-led protests that were happening. I've got a story here from the BBC about what happened back then. But what's happening right now, Bonnie, is you're saying the Chinese government from Beijing 
has put pressure on the Hong Kong University there in in Hong Kong, which again, up until I think 1997, Hong Kong was ruled by the British. And then their lease ran out, as I understand it. Uh, the British walked away from Hong Kong. And since then, the uh, the Chinese government has been slowly tightening the noose on that particular area. And those people are used to a Western influenced way of life too yes. they're not they are not communists like you, you and i would think of communism you know they're no they're, it's one of the most probably capitalist places on the yeah, planet yeah they're very very was. economically were economically free they still win in economic freedom chart rankings like the yeah, most now, recent one they're still on top i have a feeling the chinese will screw that up royally because communists don't know how to do no capitalism. Doubt. they don't understand individual drive or free will they don't get it what else do we need to know bonnie about this situation Students are currently on break for their festive period, but Jean's... Oh, so they took it down while well, the students no were there? Yep. Mm-hmm. In the dead of night. Uh, John's Galishots, I don't know that how to pronounce that, but that's the person who made the pillar. Um, his Pillar of Shame monument has stood on campus for over two decades. Wow. Though in October, university authorities demanded its removal amid a crackdown on those commemorating the 1989 massacre. In a statement on Thursday, he said, I'm totally shocked that Hong Kong University is currently destroying the pillar of shame. It is my private property, and the sculpture belongs to me personally. I wow. will claim compensation for any damage to the sculpture. Hmm. I wonder where this guy lives. I don't know. His, he... his last name looks, I don't know, Russian or something but like that. But communists don't believe in private property, though. No, they don't. And he's not going to get compensation from the nothing. Chinese government. Yeah. I mean, the, the Chinese courts are going <laughs> to laugh him out of court. I mean, if he lives in Hong Kong, he's probably going to get arrested. Oh, right? yeah, no, if, I'm sure. I would I would imagine. Yeah, if they're cracking down on anyone displaying anything about the Tiananmen Square massacre in Hong Kong, they're just waiting for somebody to have themselves a protest about this. Because, hmm. you know, like they said, they, they took this thing down while the students were gone because they knew there was a good chance the students would have something to say about it. It says the university is cracking down on those commemorating the 1989 massacre, but mm-hmm. I'm sure that's under a you know, orders. Yeah, just like in America, the universities are controlled by the government anyway. So. Yeah. We're going to continue here and we can uh, go back to 1989, take a look at what exactly happened at Tiananmen Square. Because it is worth, you know, bringing that up. Everybody knows about Tank Man, but what about the rest of the story? The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. And when I say everybody knows, I mean everybody outside of China. How well known it is there is a well-kept secret. This is Free Talk Live. Do you feel like your country no longer holds your values? Have you dreamt of a place where liberty-minded people can come together and leave government overreach behind? There are many people just like you that are discovering FreePrivateCities.com. They start at FreePrivateCities.com and connect via the social media links shown there. All skills will be needed when the first of the Free Private Cities open. It's sooner than you think. Stop arguing and build FreePrivateCities.com. FreePrivateCities.com it's free talk live phones open here if you want to join us you can do that by the way i want to say thanks to ghost of mcafee who is one of our supporters he or she i guess he since ghost of mcafee uh, is a gold level amp or he's joined the AMPS program over at amps.freetalklive.com. It helps us advertise, market, promote, and support Free Talk Live. 
helps us uh, continue the mission of spreading the ideas of liberty and peace around the planet and the United States. Specifically, we've got over 190 radio stations now uh, with Free Talk Live. We can hit 200 and 250 and 300. It is possible, but it does take it does take some effort, does take some money. So appreciate you guys uh, supporting us like Ghost of McAfee over at amps.freetalklive.com. We've been talking about the Tiananmen Square Massacre ta- uh, Tank Man and the uh, monument, this absolutely grotesque uh, monument, but it was a grotesque event. It's supposed so to it's be, yeah, de- de- grotesque. Yeah, uh, this grotesque monument at the Hong Kong University was quietly whisked away in the middle of the night. While the students were gone on holiday. Right. So not only did they do it in the middle of the night, they did it. When the students weren't there in the middle of the night, they wanted nobody to find out about this. Yeah, well, people found out, obviously, after it was gone, but they didn't want any counter-protesters there or, you know, like, young people standing in the way of the bulldozer or whatever the hell it was that they used to take the thing down. Uh, So, Bonnie, was there more that you wanted to share about the story? Yes, this next quote from the uh, sculptor shows that oh, he yeah, might he's mad he says it's his private property and he wants compensation yeah but i think this next part of the quote kind of shows that he doesn't fully get it it is a disgrace and an abuse that shows that hong kong has become a brutal place without laws and regulations such as protecting the population the arts and private property and it's even more grotesque that they use the western holiday christmas to carry out the description destruction of their artwork i my point of saying maybe he doesn't get it is he, he thinks like oh we need more laws and regulations to protect my artwork i don't know well, from the people who make laws and regulations maybe yeah. he's, maybe he's speaking in terms of rights yeah i mean a lot of people think that government should exist to protect rights i mean that's sort of the fantasy about government right. So, I mean, of course he doesn't get it as far as obviously he's not an anarchist or a voluntarist or whatever but He's certainly not wrong of the belief system, from his belief system, that government should be protecting my private property, not destroying it. I mean, that in theory is what they're supposed to do, but not obviously the Chinese government. Totally childlike naivete at at that point. No doubt. I mean, and and certainly as you pointed out in the last segment, Matt, the Chinese government is the least likely or one of the least likely to protect private property. They don't believe in it. Yep. So. Communists. Sorry. I mean, it sucks what's happening to uh, to Hong Kong, but I don't see any any easy way out of this situation. Isn't it insane that an entire country can rent in an, another country for decades on end and then just terminate the lease? And <laughs> I don't know if renting it was the right word. I don't know what the original well use the word lease, was. and yeah. it basically was. <laughs> it's it's kind of really what crazy. it was. It's kind of a lease. Yeah, I don't re- I don't know the history of Hong Kong, so I don't know how they got that deal in the first place. Yeah, I don't either. I just remember when the lease ran out. You know, I was a teenager then, so right. I found out about it. It'd be great if no other country controlled them from far away and they just got to control themselves. Yeah, if they got to be their own place, little free place on the planet. Because, again, the economic freedom in Hong Kong is unsurpassed. It is still, to this day, the most economically free place, at least according to... Uh, the economic freedom of the world studies that are being done by the Fraser Institute. I just wonder what 100-story tall tenement buildings are going to look like. And, you know, now they're office buildings, but those will be run-down tenements. And, Ooh, once the commies fully yeah, take give, over. Yeah, give it 15, 20 years. Mm-hmm. Well, outgoing chief of the university's ruling body, author Arthur Lee, said last week that it was not quite clear who owns the pillar of shame. We're still investigating. However... Galshiot, the sculptor, 
has told HKFP, Hong Kong Free Press, that he has repeatedly asserted his ownership to HKU via his legal team, but was ignored. I believe it is important to preserve the history of any country, and I am therefore sorry that my monument, which is a memorial to the events at the Tiananmen Square, 1989 in China, is no longer welcome. He wrote in an open letter passed to the university and his Hong Kong legal team last month. Apparently he's Danish, so that suggests that he may not mm. live in Hong Kong, but of course Hong Kong is a very international city, and there are people from all over the world that live there. HKU has also ignored questions about Gal- Galcio's claims when contacted by Hong Kong Free Press. <laughs> the eight-meter-tall statue of bodies twisting towards the sky was the site of annual ceremonies to commemorate the victims of Beijing's bloody crackdown wow. on protesters in the summer of 1989. It's a 24-foot-high statue. It, it's like an obelisk yeah. of, of terror, terrified bodies the head of the journalism school at hku keith richberg tweeted in the early hours of thursday the day that they did it don't do this but they did it anyway um it looks like the rest is just like history of the statue yeah and so i was kind of interested in the history of the event according to the bbc in the 1980s The Communist Party began to allow some private companies and foreign investment. At the time, their president, Deng Xiaoping, hoped to boost the economy and raise living standards. But the move brought with it corruption, while at the same time raising hopes for greater political openness. At the time, the Communist Party was divided between those urging more rapid change and the hardliners wanting to maintain strict state control. In the mid-1980s, student-led protests began and those taking part included people who had lived abroad and been exposed to new ideas and higher standards of living. In spring of 89, the protests grew with demands for greater political freedom. Those protesters were spurred on by the death of a leading politician, Hu Yaobang, who had overseen some of the economic and political changes. He had been pushed out of a top position by par- uh, in the party by political opponents a couple of years prior to that. Tens of thousands of people gathered on the day of Hu's funeral in April of 1989, calling for greater freedom of speech and less censorship. In the following weeks, protesters gathered in Tiananmen Square, with numbers estimated to be up to one million at their largest. Well, the square is one of Beijing's most famous lane, uh, landmarks. What was the government's response? Well, at first, they took no direct action against the protesters. Party officials disagreed on how to respond, some backing concessions, others wanting to take a harder line. The hardliners won the debate, and in the last two weeks of May, martial law was declared in Beijing. On the 3rd and the 4th of June, troops began to move toward Tiananmen Square, opening fire, crushing, and arresting protesters to regain control of the area. And so how many people died in the protests? No one knows for sure how many were killed. And the Chinese government doesn't, you know, (laughs) doesn't give accurate numbers. You can't trust what they said. They don't even admit that it happened. Well, at the end of June of 1989, the Chinese government did say that 200 civilians and several dozen security personnel had died. Other estimates have ranged from hundreds to many thousands. Do the people in China know what happened? Discussion of the events that took place in Tiananmen Square is highly sensitive in China. Posts relating to the massacres are regularly removed from the internet and tightly controlled by the government. So for a younger generation who didn't live through the protests, there is little awareness about what happened. 
And they do, of course, mention Tank Man here. Uh, on June 5th, a man faced down a line of tanks heading away from the square. He was carrying two shopping bags and filmed walking to block the tanks from moving past. He was pulled away by two men. It is not known what happened to him, but he's become the defining image of the protests. So it's probably not a secret amongst older Chinese what happened on that day, but it's definitely something the government gang is doing the best they can to shove down the memory hole. And this is part of that process getting rid of the monument at the hong kong university yes tragic story i think it's pretty obvious they're trying to move into hong kong now so they want to get the population there to be just as brainwashed and they're taking little steps like getting rid of the monument yeah and it's going to take you know generations before people finally forget about it because ultimately the people who remember it will have to die off and be replaced by no one but you know, word if does these spread. aren't people who are programmed to willingly forget things on by you know edict. There's more coming up here. You can share your thoughts with us, and we get some creepy stuff coming up in U.S. legislation in your vehicle that Matt will tell us about on the way. It's free talk live. Open here if you want to join us. The number is 603-283-6160. We're talking about Hong Kong and the sculpture that is no longer in existence. I presume they've destroyed it. Either that or, you know, somebody put it in their personal collection. A 24-foot tall pillar of just torturous pain, basically. Mm -hmm. A horrifying sculpture that's a good way to put it uh that uh, is there to or was there for two decades to commemorate and i don't know if commemorates the right word because that's usually like a kind well, of a positive to help memory. people remember yeah to uh to, to look back on what happened in 1989 at the uh, the massacre of Tiananmen, Tiananmen square now the chinese government has stripped that from the university of hong kong and i was just looking into the the past you know, the history here over at the Wikipedia article, because, you know, when we were talking about the lease that the British had on the island of Hong Kong, it I didn't know what the history was. Like, how did they end up getting that? What was the story there? I knew it was a, I knew at the time when it was ending that it was a 99 year lease, but I didn't know anything about it. And according to the uh, the brief history here in the 1800s, Hong Kong became a colony of the British Empire after the King Empire uh, in China, ceded Hong Kong Island from Xinan County at the end of the First Opium War in 1841, and the colony expanded to the Kowloon Peninsula in 1860 after the Second Opium War and was further extended when Britain obtained a 99-year lease of the new territories in 1898. And so what is it now? According to the story here, uh, it is now what is called a Chinese special administrative region. So it's not quite yet a Chinese city. It's not the same thing as every other Chinese city. Well, they can march their soldiers in there at will any time and enforce the the will of the, uh, the Chinese dictators on those people. They so. can, but there is an interesting detail here. The colony, it says, faced an uncertain future as the end of the new territory's lease approached. 
And Governor Murray McLeos raised the question of Hong Kong's status with Deng Xiaoping in 17, or 1979. Diplomatic negotiations with China resulted in the 1984 Sino-British Joint Declaration, in which the UK agreed to transfer the colony in 1997, and China would guarantee Hong Kong's economic and political systems for 50 years after the transfer. So that's why they haven't done a complete crackdown on Hong Kong yet. That's why Hong Kong is still number one as far as economic freedom is concerned, because it sounds like more or less the Chinese government is honoring this particular Sino-British joint declaration saying, all right, you got 50 years where you can kind of keep things going the way they've always been. And now we're about halfway through that 50 years. And so now they've they feel comfortable enough getting rid of a sculpture. And they've been, of course, doing crackdowns against some of the protests that have, uh, you know, some of the student-led pro-democracy stuff that's been going on over there in the last few years. Uh, The impending transfer of power triggered a wave of mass immigration. M, that's leaving Hong Kong. Emigration. As residents feared an erosion of civil rights, the rule of law, and quality of life. Over half a million people left Hong Kong during the peak migration period from 1987 to 1996. So a bunch of people left before the Chinese government took back over. Hmm. The And I suspect that it's continuing today, where if you can get out of Hong Kong, you it's know time to what's go. coming. I was going to say, I wonder how easy it is during COVID. To leave? Yeah. Good question. Yeah. It was Hong Kong where that first got shut down. Remember back in right. February of 2020? That's right. I was about ready to travel to go visit Mark in Saipan, and my layover was in Hong Kong. So I was going to fly from wherever the hell it was in the U.S. to Hong Kong and then fly to Saipan, which is an island that's in the region. And I could not do it because my flight was canceled due to the Hong Kong airport being shut down. Hmm. You know, this should all be a very good you know, lesson for everybody who doesn't live in New Hampshire. If it's time to pull the plug on where you live, then do it. And you can't wait another five years or 10 years because you don't know what's going to happen in the next couple of years, the next five years. If you can travel now, now's the time to travel. So do it. Yeah. Actually, go to U-Haul and go. Vin Armani, who's now known as Cyprian on uh, Twitter, he has said... He said this over a year ago. He said, if you are not now in the place where you would like to be for the rest of your life, you should get to that place Mm -hmm. as soon as you possibly can. How is it? I mean, it's not a big step for them to go from you're not allowed to go into McDonald's without proof of vaccination to you're not allowed to leave your state due to COVID. That's right. It's not a big step at all. Or just put you in a camp and then you can't leave the camp. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a very interesting uh, side note, uh, very interesting language coming out of the New York state legislature this week. I don't have it right in front of me, but they were talking about locking down certain people, not locking them down, but going around and scooping them up. Yeah, we, yeah. we were talking about that Four sixteen. It's like House Bill a416 or something yeah. like that. What it turned and, out was that it was a bill that was filed actually at the beginning of last year hmm. and was tabled and is still quote unquote on the table with but that they're committee. Having it that committee is meeting January 5th, so we have like an alarm to remind us to go check and see if it, they Good. passed the camp bill. 
But uh, the other part about that was that it was actually introduced years ago. So it's been reintroduced. This is like the third time that this particular bill or some variant of it has been introduced. So the bill itself isn't actually new. It was during, was it Ebola? Yeah, Ebola. It's terrifying that it wasn't immediately, you know, shot down by everyone who heard anything about it. Can you believe that any such language is being put in front of any legislature inside the United States. Absolutely, I can believe it. And it's New York State. It's It's not just New York City. That's what's really scary. Yeah, correct. Uh, The Legislative Council in Hong Kong became a fully elected legislature for the first time in 1995 and extensively expanded its functions and organizations through the last years of colonial rule. Hong Kong was transferred to China on July 1st of 1997 after 156 years of British rule. Immediately afterwards, Hong Kong was severely affected by several crises. The government was forced to use substantial foreign exchange reserves to maintain the Hong Kong dollar's currency peg during the 1997 Asian financial crisis. And then they had the H5N1 avian flu outbreak, a housing surplus was followed by the SARS epidemic, uh, during which the territory experienced its most serious economic downturn. Political debates after the transfer of sovereignty have centered around the region's democratic development and the central government's adherence to the one country, two systems principle. After reversal of the last colonial era legislative council democratic reforms following the handover, the regional government unsuccessfully attempted to enact national security legislation and the central government decision to implement implement nominee pre-screening before allowing chief executive elections triggered a series of protests in 2014, which became known as the Umbrella Revolution. I presume that nominee pre-screening they're talking about would be that the Chinese central government would have to approve any potential candidates who could be elected to the legislative council in Hong Kong. And that's what sparked the protests. Like, hey, you're supposed to stay out of our elections here. We're supposed to have 50 years. But again, like why you would want to stick around, it seems like this is going to be something that's just not going to work out in your favor. If you're right. somebody who's, who supports freedom in Hong Kong, you should be looking into getting out of there and coming somewhere in the world where you're welcome and i feel bad because there's a it's not easy just to pick up and move to other countries you have to get the blessing of the other countries and so forth so these people might just be stuck where they are and nothing there's nothing they can do about it you can't just wait to the end and then hop on a plane and move you may be able to claim asylum there may be some countries yeah. that would give you asylum saying, hey, you know, I'm a political activist in Hong Kong. Well, who's going to fight China these days? But you don't have to fight China to Well, if you're asking a foreign, foreign government that relies on China buying its T-bills and so forth, you're, you know, there's nothing saying you're going to, they're going to accept you. Yeah. That's true. Amazon agreed to change the reviews on uh, Xi Jinping's book recently to all five stars. <laughs> Are you serious? Yep. It's so ridiculous. And that happened. So China owns the world. Yeah. And if they tell the country, don't accept our emigres uh, under you know the auspices of asylum, they probably will start turning away those migrants from for asylum purposes. That's a really scary idea. I don't know if that would be true in the United States, because obviously there are people who have escaped China that live here. I mean, I'm thinking Lily Tang Williams, for mm-hmm. instance. Uh, I presume she was somebody who was looking for asylum, but I, I don't recall that detail in her story. Uh, we've had her on the show in the past, really excellent libertarian activist who moved here to New Hampshire because she was originally, prior to New Hampshire, living in Colorado, 
And when she found out about the Free State Project, she's she's somebody who actually understands and appreciates freedom. And, of course, she made a Very beeline. Very high level. Yeah, she made a beeline to New Hampshire. Yep. Uh, there's more coming up here. If you want to share your thoughts, the number 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. You can bring up whatever's on your mind here. And this is Free Talk Live. Coming up, some uh, creepy stuff the U.S. government gang wants to do in your car soon. Free Talk Live's video archives have been on Library for years. Library is an uncensorable, decentralized, blockchain-based media sharing protocol, and we're big fans of it here on Free Talk Live. In 2020, Library launched Odyssey, a video sharing website to compete with YouTube, and it's really taking off, now with over 1 million channels, many of whom are disaffected YouTube creators. During YouTube's crackdown for not towing the government line on COVID, the Free Talk Live YouTube channel started receiving strikes and could be completely taken down at any moment. Thankfully, Odyssey started offering live streaming, so we're now streaming live every night and posting our video archives permanently to Odyssey. You can watch live or anytime on our Odyssey channel by visiting video.freetalklive.com. If you want to go all in, download the desktop app at lbry.com, and then every video archive you watch, you'll help seed and keep it online forever. At minimum, we ask you visit video.freetalklive.com and follow us on Odyssey today. Video.freetalklive.com free talk live this is free talk live and you can bring up whatever you want as we kick off the second hour of the program the number here is 603-283-6160 coming up is smartphone addiction Causing even more problems than it normally did due to the pandemic <laughs> or due to the lockdowns. You can share your thoughts with us. You can bring up anything. And in the studio tonight, it's Ian, Matt, and Bonnie. Matt, you had a story about the creepy government gang at the U.S. federal government. Mm-hmm. And this new infrastructure bill that I believe has been passed and signed. It's a, it's a done deal, if I recall correctly. Yeah. Uh, we talked a few weeks ago about this bill and the provision that says that by 2026, that there will be DUI checks in every single new vehicle, meaning that you as a driver who has never had a drink before in your life will be subjected to being a suspect mm-hmm. as a potential DUI and you will have to pass whatever this technology is. And they hadn't decided yet at the time that the bill was passed what the technology will be. So they're leaving that up to the Department of Transportation or some bureaucracy to determine what to use. And the the news was, this is going to be true of every car manufactured. They said it could be as soon as 2026. Now, that was also a kind of a question mark as far as when the final date will be, when this will take effect. But it could be as soon as 2026, where every new car will have at least one, if not more than one form of technology to detect your blood alcohol content and either stop you from, uh, you know, or either let you drive or stop you from even turning the car on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what it sounds like is some type of AI that's going to learn you. And if you drive outside the bounds of what it has learned about you, then it will basically sh- prevent you from turning the car on or it'll just shut your car off. So I had heard in the story. Wait, what, what would be the point of that? Sorry, like if you're just driving differently that day. Because if you're driving hammered, it'll mm. sense that you're driving hammered. Or if you're driving when you're too tired, it'll sense that you're driving when you're too tired. And That's it'll, 
Interesting, because I had not heard that one. What they were speculating in the story that we read was that there were a couple of technologies that they were looking at. One of them would measure the blood alcohol content in the air somehow, like to, to smell uh, for alcohol. The article Another, I'm re- reading just says, is talking about, it's, it's passively monitoring the performance of a driver of a motor vehicle to accurately identify whether that driver may be impaired. It doesn't, that's in quotes. So it doesn't say anything about actual uh, air monitoring. Which that was one idea. I don't doubt that that would be an easy, um, an easy one. To the other implement. idea was that there would be some sort of a sensor on the steering wheel that could be apparently they say that you can measure someone's blood alcohol content through their skin without like piercing the skin but just like an infrared scan of mm. some sort could actually detect whether somebody has alcohol running through their veins so the idea would be if your hands are on the steering wheel there it's constantly checking you to see if you've got alcohol in your system it seems like another easy yeah. easy one but the the uh, or all of the above the creepy, yeah, or all the above, uh, but the, there's a creepy component to it. Apparently, the legislation um, leaves open and somewhat names uh, the ability for third parties to have back doors to this, all the technology that's in the car. Facebook. Yeah. They get to control your car. So, so <laughs> a lot of people are worried about like who would that who would the third parties be that had mm-hmm. access with insurance companies, the cops. I mean, yeah, uh, you know, if, if they just don't want you to run away from them, they just push a button on the dashboard of their car Shut and it kills, kills your car. On the side Can't of the they road. already do that with OnStar? I'm not sure. I would imagine there's some sort of way to do that. No, I know a I've lot heard, of people. Like, I swear I've heard that that like if you've got OnStar in your system. And the cops, you know, like, oh, your car got stolen or whatever. You call the police. They can remotely shut it off. Yeah. Well, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, the tech's already there. Now they're saying it's going to be in every car. In every car. And it's not necessarily a voluntary thing whether or not it's going to be in your car. No, you've got to pay for all the stupid mandated government crap. That's why cars keep... One of the reasons, besides inflation, one of the reasons why cars keep getting more expensive. The government gang just keeps saying, oh, yeah, you need to put this in there and that in there. and Catalytic converter on up, Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. Well put. Mm-hmm. Um, that said, uh, I think this. I, I'm curious. You know, a Rush song comes to mind, uh, and whenever I'm thinking about freedom stuff, Rush songs come to mind. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but uh, any Canadian? Uh, yeah, the group, they're, yeah, they're all Canadian. But uh, uh, Neil Peart wrote most of the lyrics, and he's also a, a notable Ayn Rand mm-hmm. acolyte. But um, wasn't there a Trailer Park Boys episode with Rush in it where they're helping yeah. him run drugs or something like <laughs> well, that? Well, they were trying to ki- they're trying to kidnap Alex Lifeson, <laughs> <laughs> but they ended up making buddies with him. But anyway, uh, yeah. So the 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 Rush song Red Barchetta or Red Barchetta, mm. it's uh, it's about a motor law that was passed, and this kid likes to escape the cities to go out to his uncle's farm, where his uncle has preserved this old red sports car, and he likes to take it out for illegal spins, and and he gets chased down by the cops, and he leaves him at the riverside because he goes across a bridge that's too narrow for them. And, nice. But it kind of reminds me of that. It's like, what kind of... Uh, are, are we going to be allowed... If we want to get around this type of thing... I have a 1976 Volkswagen Beetle back in New York, hmm. right? And Wow. I love that car. It's a carbureted car. It's about as fast as a lawnmower, <laughs> but it'll run on just about anything I dump in the gas tank, mm-hmm. uh, you know, as long as it resembles gas. And uh, and I, it doesn't ask me any questions. It doesn't have any computers. It's got a cap and rotor. It doesn't have electronic ignition. There's nothing to fry. Right. You know, um, so it'll they... survive an EMP is what you're saying. 
almost. almost. Um, okay. It'll fry some easily replaceable $2 pieces, which I have extras in the glove <laughs> box anyway. Um, you know, it's a tune-up component that uh-huh. gets killed. So uh, that said, is it, are they going to ban old cars? That's hmm. a great question. I mean, they're not going to do it right out the gate. Yeah, maybe right? later down the road. They need to make it so the mandated cars are going to be in the the used car marketplace mm-hmm. and starting to filter into those folks. Because not everybody can afford to buy a brand new car. Right. Uh, but yeah, that's an excellent question, Matt. And I suspect that that is in the long-term plans for these people. There, I, there are so many reasons that this is a bad law. Obviously, just in general freedom perspective and privacy perspective, But also I think that it could cause more harm than good just because technology makes mistakes for one thing. It could just think you're drunk when you're not. And another thing that comes to mind is me and my friend, we used to go meet completely random people in the town over from us in Utah. And we would like go find people to get drunk or high with. How would you meet these people? Walmart parking lots, (laughs) stuff like that. Well, we lived what? in such a small town. This is a fun thing to do. So we would meet random people like that were going to have a party in the mountains. What if I was like just a little drunk and had to get away from those people? Mm. I'm not a bad driver drunk. Right. And I'm Somebody's- sure there are people that are like, no, never, never, not even once. But yeah, I've driven with a little bit of alcohol in my system. Yeah, that's a great point. Like you go to some party with some strangers. Turns out they're dangerous. You got to go. You've got to get out. And you have a little bit of alcohol in your system. Your car's like, sorry, nope. get raped instead. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's a really it's crazy. Terrifying. That's I'm sure there's plenty about. of reasons that you would need to get away from a situation. Right. And the government oh, does no. not care about your needs, and no. they don't care about your safety or, at all whatsoever. And if it wasn't for the psycho rapists in the mountains raping you, it'll be <laughs> the government anyway, because they're all <laughs> the same psychopaths. They just took different paths in life. Yeah, and you're talking about a place that's out in the, the boonies, right? Like, there's nothing out there. The odds that you would even be driving on a road with other cars would be fairly low, right? Well, like we would go to the, the town morning. over that was populated, but yeah, we would drive home well, largely. If you're a mountain party, there's, okay. not gonna be, there's people out there? Well, there would be a good amount of people on that mountain that I was talking about because it's mm-hmm. like a pass where people go to party. Gotcha. Okay. But then more than 50 minutes home would be like probably seeing no other cars. That's what I'm saying. So that's why it wasn't that big of a deal to drink over there and then go Mm -hmm. home. Right. Wow. Yeah. Scary stuff. And that's just one example of how that somebody could get caught up by this system Mm -hmm. and and actually harmed by it. So is there anything else we need to know about this? Not yet. Well, I'll keep you posted. I'm I'm watching this one. I, I don't know. You know, everybody knows that I'm a narrow mat and I'm, you know, I'm the gun guy, but not everybody knows that I'm a motorhead. Yeah, that's, true. that's I, true. I love I love turning wrenches and I love cars and always have cars, motorcycles, anything with a motor. So I, I pay really close attention to this because sometimes so you just want to go fast. Yeah, and this is going to take you out of the new car market as yeah. of 2026, yeah. right? Uh, the number here is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Of course, we all know that people who are heavy drinkers who find out about this are also never going to buy a car after 2026. That's right. That's right. So, like, the serious drinkers are going to just avoid this. I actually do have one more thought on that. We'll All right, we'll it, continue. We'll back. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can bring up anything here. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Here tonight, it's Ian, Matt, and Bonnie. We're talking about some of the creepy stuff that the federal government gang wants to do to all new vehicles. And sounds like they're gonna, because the bill passed 
It is uh, one of the things that's in the, I don't know how many thousands of pages the infrastructure bill is, but it's a big one. Uh, $1.7 trillion or something like that. The uh, One of the things they're going to do is they're going to put into all new cars as soon as 2026 DUI checks. So they're going to make sure that you don't have blood alcohol content prior to starting a car and also continually monitor you while operating the car. And we already knew about that. And what you brought in tonight, Matt, that was new information to me was they're also going to open up cars to be accessible remotely by certain groups like the police, where if they want to, to stop you from driving, they can just press a button. If they want to stop you from having the wrong political beliefs and trying to get away from them. Yeah, or whatever. They just don't want you to get somewhere. They will stop you. Mm -hmm. In uh, mid-travel. And you said you had one other thought about this situation. Yeah, so I was just trying to think of workarounds for that, you know. Besides just buying old cars? Yeah, just, well, yeah. Yes and no and yes. Um, So everybody's, most people probably heard of a a Shelby Cobra. Old sports car. If anybody's seen uh, Ford versus Ferrari with Matt Damon, the the newer uh, movie that came out last year. It was really an awesome job they did on that movie. Um, Carol Shelby brought together two companies to make an amazing sports car back in the 60 called 60s called the Cobra had an AC body out of Brit out of uh, Great Britain and it had big Ford engines and they were just fast insane little fast cars well they still they were stopped you know they stopped making them in 1967 mm-hmm. the last the last Cobra was made in 67 however today you can still buy a brand new it's called a continuation car a brand new Shelby Cobra in the 1967 format in the you can buy a brand new 1967 like Shelby Cobra no oh. a brand Who's new Who's making them a company called Superformance has the rights from Shelby huh. to make those cars does that upset Ford a little bit uh, I don't think Ford ever had a say in it hmm. um, they're just their it's, engines it's a Chevy licensed thing uh, they can buy as many Ford engines as they want to put into these things huh. and they are brand new cars Titled as 67s. Whoa. Yep. And they don't have to follow emissions because oh it's a 67. God. You don't have to have this kind of, you know, all the safety features and stuff, you know. <laughs> so it's a 1967. You got a 520 horsepower car. So it's one car. of those cars where you can actually pop the hood and reach in there and, and yes. you know, there's not like a ton of crap in Correct. there. Correct. If you want a fuel injector thing, go right ahead. If you want to load it down with computers and technology uh-huh. stuff, go right ahead. But it's, but it's gonna, not coming off the line that way. You can, you can, you can get it off the line that way if that's how you order it. But oh, you there's don't options have, like that? You can, yep. Huh. But you can get it with wow. a carbureted 427 side oiler you can get them with a 390 351 windsor I what mean, does one of these things cost like if you're gonna do it up old style like i the original. saw i saw a used one that was a pretty basic it was a 15 year old superformance shelby cobra mm-hmm. and so these these guys are have been doing this for a while yeah for a long time okay. this is a 15 year old version i saw for sale down in connecticut and that was seventy two thousand they wanted for that so so uh, brand new these are over 100 probably, yeah you right? can get a cobra kit car uh, mm-hmm. from, you know, Factory 5 or some other company that makes... Uh, there's a hundred companies out there that make Cobra kit cars. They're What's a, legendary a kit car? car? It's literally just a fiberglass body that looks like a Cobra, mm-hmm. and you usually put it on, like, some other chassis, or you make a chassis for it. You build the car from you, you scratch. Build, yeah, you mm-hmm. build... And it's not ever as good as, like, an original, you know? It's, yeah, it's, it looks the part, but it's not the part. Mm-hmm. Um, but a Superformance Cobra is a Cobra 
Cobra. It's That's a amazing. real by design Cobra. Do these guys sell other old model cars? They do, and some of them are totally wicked. I'm not sure what the legality around those are. Those huh. might be considered something else, but somehow the the and, Cobras are Cobras. And these are considered 1967s because what the plans are from 67. I'm I mean, not the parts sure aren't. what their workaround on that. Uh-huh. I've never understood how that all works. It That's won't say anything. Like if you bought one today, it wouldn't say anything about 2021 on it. No, hmm. it's a it's a 1967 Cobra, <laughs> or just, you can you can get a 63 Cobra. It depends on how, what body style wow. you want. You know, hmm. you can get the older body style, the newer body style. You know, uh, but yeah, so that might be. I if that's the way things are going, then I'll take just go a, back uh, to the past. You know, I'll I'll take a 1976 Bronco with mm-hmm. a 351. Or when maybe, did they start to introduce all the government mandated like? Catalytic converter, you know, uh, all this Catalytic converters, uh, my 76 Beetle that I was just talking about mm-hmm. has a catalytic converter, and that's mm-hmm. a 76. And I do believe that was one of the first years where they started, started requiring meddling. that. Yeah, so my, my Beetle has a charcoal canister and a, and a catalytic converter and, you know, mm-hmm. recirculation garbage, and it makes the car run like crap. So I've right. torn the engine out of that. It's got a 73 engine in it now, got which it. didn't have that. Okay. So 73 didn't have it, 76 did have it. Okay, good to and know. So that's, you know. Somewhere yeah, in that, I think the, the used window. car market's going to get a little more interesting coming up when these all these government mandates start cramming into the new cars. Yep, I agree. Because it used to just be, you know, under the hood stuff. Most people probably don't know about that, they don't right? Think about it. They, they don't, don't know about, about what's under there. You know, the mandatory black box. I think they've got those now mm-hmm. in cars, right? That's a black uh, box. History recorder. It'll record things um, like uh, impact uh, G forces and things like that, and they can tell how fast you've gone and how high you've revved and how many times you've done that. And the car, mm. the car keeps track of all this stuff. So, uh, like in sports cars, especially, they want to, you know, if there was ever you ever got into an accident that was potentially your fault, all they got to do is plug into the computer of the car and ask it what was going on. Mm. And they'll tell them. It can't take a picture of what was going on for right. them, but it can give them a good idea. Yeah, well, he was sideways at forty-five miles an hour, and mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you know, and he, when he impacted the school bus, it hit with this many G forces, which means he was going at least this many miles per hour. Yeah, so that's another <laughs> government mandated thing. Yeah. I mean, you know a lot about cars. Give me a quick rundown. Like, what? I mean, it may be an exhaustive list, but what are some of the the things that they've been forcing on all car manufacturers for the last? Um, well, I mean, we've seen um, the the. If you ever park, I looked at a 2022 Camaro the other day, brand new Camaro SS, a gorgeous car, looks a lot like the original 1967, 68 Camaros. Mm-hmm. If you were to park a 67 or 68 Camaro next to that modern Camaro SS, even though they're the same shape, you'll notice that the new Camaro SS is a lot bigger. It's a big, fat, chonky car. Probably heavier. And yo, and so, uh, way heavier. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is it's all impact zone this and airbag that. And mm. you know, every time you add another nut, nut or bolt to a car, not to mention just the dimensions in order to house it to make it look. You know, if you look at a new Porsche 911, oh, it's a sexy. It's a 911. It's a shape that's you know you can you can identify that shape a hundred miles away. Well, if you put a brand new 911 next to even a 2002 911. It's just a huge car compared to the old cars. They're not, and the reason is they have to make, they have to magnify the size of the car just so they can fit in all the government crap. God, it's terrible. It's totally horrible. If you want to weigh in, uh, maybe you know a thing or two about the topic. You're welcome to join us here. The number six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. It's not going to get any better either. I mean, these government goons think they know everything about what should be under the hood, and it's just going to keep getting worse. Yep. Before you know it, they're not even going to let you drive them anymore. And the weight of the car destroys your gas mileage.
That's true. Uh, there's more <laughs> coming up here. We got time for you. You want to join us? You can bring up anything that's on your mind. Plus, smartphone addiction. We can get into that. Is it getting worse than it's ever been? You can share your thoughts. The number is 603-283-6160. And a little bit of good news as a keen police baddie makes a turn for the good. We'll tell you about it. Come on. Doubt up. it. Is your broken heart stopping you from being authentically happy? My name is Jeremy West, and for a limited time, I am running a free online class to teach you what most people don't know about how to deal with your feelings, the simple way to deal with your negative thinking, the key to breaking your unhealthy relationship patterns, and so much more. No more feeling like a failure who will never find true love. No more self-medicating and ending up feeling even more miserable. And no more feeling like you'll never be someone who deserves an amazing partner. Sound good? You'll discover a new way to finally feel validated and loved. To stop trying to get your self-worth from the very people who tear it down. And to put you in control of your own happiness. So you never surrender that control to another person again in as little as eight weeks. Register now for my free online class at beyondyourbreakup.com slash free class. That's beyondyourbreakup.com slash free class. cars and how newer is not necessarily better. In fact, it doesn't seem like it's better at all. At all. Uh, when it comes to cars, because, well, the government goons have been meddling in and under the hood for decades mm-hmm. now, and they just keep getting worse with their mandates. We're going to continue with the, the discussion here. It's Ian, Matt, and Bonnie in the studio. We've also been telling you about how Intercoin can help any business or organization launch their own currency and or raise money using their own token. And now Intercoin has launched its investor token uh, worldwide. And for the first time, it's available on an exchange. You can go and grab some over at xmarkets.com. That's exmarkets.com. And all you need is just an email address to sign up over at X Markets, which is pretty unusual, but that's the way they do it there. And uh, you can trade dozens of different cryptocurrencies, including Bitcoin, trade them for Tether, and then buy ITR with your tether. ITR is the Intercoin investor token. You can learn more about the Intercoin vision at intercoin.org and buy or sell ITR on xmarkets.com. Exmarkets.com. You just might be advancing the cause of liberty around the world. Let's go to CW. He's in uh, Arizona listening to K Talks. CW, you're on Free Talk Live. Do we still have CW going once? CW going twice. All right, let's try Hank in Ocala, Florida. Hank, you're on Free Talk Live. Hey, uh, glad to be on. Yes, sir. I've been working on cars all my life and home own repair shop. But, uh, yeah, the cars keep advancing, and they do record a lot of information that a lot of people driving are not aware of it. And the information is recorded a lot for technicians to be able to repair a car. Well, what was it doing when this happened? And so, like, if your airbag goes off, it records the speed, mm-hmm. brake, uh, and a lot of other things nowadays on cars. It's easily accessible. In 2026, a lot of cars will drive themselves mm-hmm. or come close to it. It may not be fully where you just 
get it in the car and let it go, but it will be very advanced in the next four years. Yeah, I already have a Kia that kind of does it itself, and that's a Kia. So, Which is cheap, right? Yeah, it's a. I mean, well, it wasn't really a cheap car, but it's a it's a cheap car. <laughs> That's kind of what Kia is known for is affordable. Yeah, rides. and it's a it's a great car. I mean, you put you set the uh, cruise control, and it basically pays attention to the lines for you, and it will go around the bends, and you know, it'll make yeah. I was turns? gonna say it makes oh, yeah. turns for you. He yeah. showed me. Yeah, I took Bonnie out when I first On got nine. it and went out for a ride, and I was like, "Look, Bonnie, wow. no hands," and it just <laughs> and it keeps its own speed. It'll slow down if there's a car in front of you. It'll speed up when it speeds up. It'll you know, after a couple minutes, it'll it'll whine at you and say, "Hey, I'm gonna shut off this uh, stuff if you don't touch the steering wheel." So you touch wow. the steering wheel, and it'll go back to doing what it was doing. <laughs> and advanced technology for years, and yeah. see where we're at. Yeah, it's going to be a different world in the future. A lot of exclusion avoidance in safety and when cars probably do drive themselves and are able to avoid exclusion avoidance, we'll need less airbags. Biggest thing is, yeah, airbags cost a lot of money. All the safety stuff costs a lot of money. Mm -hmm. And so you pay dearly for it in a car. And until we figure out a better way and Humans are not good drivers, so machines will probably exceed us by long ways in the near future. Well, that's another concern that I have. I mean, Matt, you'd brought up the, the question of once they start rolling out these mandates, mandatory DUI, mandatory, uh, we can stop your car anywhere we want. This is going to happen as soon as 2026. Are they going to outlaw older cars within a, n- a number of years? And another question is, are they going to outlaw me being able to drive a car right well of whatever age the car happens to be yep. at some point because i i'm sorry i i mean i like computers as much as the next you know zennial or not i'm not zennial but gen x <laughs> what's what's x and millennial is that zennial uh or anyway X-Zennial. Uh, yeah i don't know but anyway uh, i like the idea of driving and continuing to drive i enjoy driving and i i don't really want a computer to take no that you know i was thinking about me. this earlier i gotta I, you know if i want to have kids if nikki and i have a kid this year it's getting 16 years now when i want to go teach that kid how to drive stick mm-hmm. am i going to be able to teach my kid how to drive stick or am i the end of that road i i just i want to be able to move a car into a place that is not you know where a car is supposed to go if i have to mm-hmm. like if i have to drive into the not that i really think this is ever going to happen but if i have to drive into the woods to get away from somebody i don't want my car to be like you cannot go there <laughs> yeah, right. yeah right what do you think hank is it going to go that oh. direction yeah, yeah, to a certain extent, obsolescence gets rid of a lot of cars. They just, people don't want to repair them and maintain them after a certain point. I do. Not that car don't have another 20 years in it, but they like something fresh and new. So we replace a lot of the old cars, and it, you can take states like California, they already penalize you for driving older vehicles. The insurance mm. companies already penalize you. First thing you want to know if you got a car does it have airbags does it have analog brakes does it have mm-hmm. a backup camera does it have any of these safety features if not <clears throat> you pay more in insurance you say you've got a, a car oh. shop that you run yes sir what do you drive personally i drive a 2003 dodge gotcha and uh i got a few classic cars yeah i like to drive them but it's not my daily drivers <clears throat> Are you uh, like me and a lot of other people that are just not interested in these brand new cars that are coming out? No, I'm not. Uh, number one, it's a 
big and waste of money. Sure. You know, it depreciates higher rate than anything else you'll buy. Uh, and I see it now. People repair cars more and more because the cost of replacing them is getting to be so expensive. Yeah, there's that. In the future, electric cars and self-driving cars, I wouldn't buy a new car right now. If I did, it'd probably be electric because I wouldn't want to be the guy stuck with a gas car in the near future. That's what I'm thinking. I, I want a, I want an old gas car that I can convert to alcohol because I can always I can get a still and some sugar or corn <laughs> grass and I can make alcohol to dump in that gas tank. And also Ford's already offering their electric Mustang motor as a replacement engine for older cars. I know, wow. I saw that. A lot of that in the future. I think eventually this is my opinion, I think we'd be better off. I'd like to have it on my truck. If you could buy aftermarket uh, self-driving kit, or at least something like you were talking about your Kia doing, where it follows the lanes and helps you out. Yeah, it's just got an eyeball built into the rearview mirror. Yeah. Thank you, Hank, for the call tonight. I appreciate the expertise. Appreciate hearing from you. Uh, Let's continue here. The number is 603-283-6160. You can bring up whatever is on your mind. And there's another co-host of ours, Chris, who's our Friday night co-host. He told me that he's got, I think he's got like in a garage somewhere, some car that is identical to, I don't know if it's like the Honda. He drives like a Honda. I think he's got the same exact car parked in a garage somewhere from like 2002 or whenever the thing was made. And the reason is there was something, and we'll have to ask him about this. Maybe we'll remember to to ask him tomorrow, but there was one of those government mandates and it might've been the black box Hmm. where like the the car just became so computerized and he's a computer guy, but he's Mm -hmm. also a privacy guy. Yes. And so when they mandated, maybe it was the black box to go into cars, he said, that's it. I'm drawing the line right here at this year. (laughs) And so he he bought another one. Yeah. So he went out and bought the same exact car. And is just like taking care of it, you know, just so when his when he finally runs his current one into the ground. I did not know that. That's hilarious. Got, at least that's what he's. T- I'm pretty sure he told me that. I hope it, he's taking care of it. Car, cars do not sit, sit around yeah, well. You can't let it sit. Um, I, I, but the, you know, I just thought that was interesting. Like you know, he he drew the line saying this. I'm not buying a car newer than this date ever. I was wondering why he drives that old. Yeah. Beater. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes I wondered that too. But there's going to be a lot of people that are going to say, all right, well, I'm just going to keep preparing this damn thing. I don't want to get a 2025 or a 2026 because things are going to get even more evil after 2026. And they start mandating DUI checks inside your car, mandating the technology to allow the police to just stop you anytime they want. The number is 603-283-6160. Oh, you missed a payment. Ford's going to stop you now. All right. right. We're coming up. It's Free Talk Live. that allows you to give money directly to people living in extreme poverty. They locate recipients that are in need and use mobile money to send them cash, no strings attached. And in the last decade, they've delivered over $400 million to over a million people 
who really needed help. They show, uh, the research shows, that giving cash to people living in poverty can help drive a range of important positive changes in their lives, like access to employment, nutrition, health, and education. In addition, cash allows individuals to invest in what they need instead of relying on aid organizations and donors thousands of miles away choosing for them. So if that's what you prefer, we agree and that's why Free Talk Live is matching your donations to give directly. They're helping right now people in Bamet and Kalifi counties in Kenya who are in dire need of assistance. And we will be matching your donations up to a total of $30,000. So if you're feeling generous this holiday season, get on over to give.freetalklive.com and you can help these families in Kenya. That's give.freetalklive.com. Let's go to your calls and thoughts. Vernon, first up in New Orleans, you're on Free Talk Live. I think that this electric vehicle thing is a complete fad because hmm. of Biden. Like this, this happened whenever Obama was in uh, as the president. You know, green, 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 and then Trump became the president, and you know, it all went back to gasoline. And not only that, I still don't think the technology behind batteries that power electric vehicles are, you know, evolved enough to be able to really support our true driving habits. I mean, I put, not. I go through a tank of gas a week. You know. That's probably about 420 miles in my current car. Mm -hmm. And if I were to do that, you know, cross country or, you know, just go from one destination to another, you know, how, what, I don't even know what the, uh, what the range is for a car, for an electric vehicle now, but surely it's not more than 100 miles. On yeah, a that, yeah, they're, they're way over 100 miles now. The, uh, the Nissan Leaf is approaching 100 miles, and that's just an around town kind of car. Isn't the Tesla over 100? Yeah, the Teslas are all over 100, but uh, that's still not. A hundred miles is not good enough. Like, mm-hmm, if, sure. think no, about somebody like me with, with my job, with my day job. I if, in non COVID times when I'm actually visiting my accounts, it's totally possible for me to put twelve or thirteen hundred miles on in a week. Mm. So that's four yeah, or exactly. five days. And then, worth. And then, I would love to have a Tesla that like would do that for me, but it's not going to work. I mean, I can't. I cannot possibly cover that amount of territory in an electric car if I'm going to sit around. At some charging station. Hopefully, there's one where I need there to be one. It's just yeah. the infrastructure's not there. The th- technology's not there. Kia's got a new one coming out. Uh, Kia and Hyundai have some of the best um, electrical technology going right now. And the new Kia is going to get, I think they said it's going to get 276 miles to the charge, which is very respectable. We're, we're, I think we're really starting to get there. There are some high-end electric cars from companies mm-hmm. never heard of that are over the 450. Wow, four sixty per charge, and they. But how are, long do they take to charge but, up? So are take you, about the, the, you're going to get them up to about an eighty eight to ninety two percent charge, and it's uh, how that, long? That's uh, going to take you like a half an hour, forty five minutes. Okay. It's a supercharger. That is, if you're right. just trickle charging that thing at your oh, house through all a night, three pong right. pl- uh, at least all night. So, are you disagreeing yeah, it's that it's a fad? <sighs> I'm wondering more about the long term benefits to the environment because. Actually, mining the cobalt and the lithium for and the, the batteries for the batteries, and then finding a way to dispose of it, and you try to use some of it over again when the the when it's all dead and the battery's dead. That is extremely pollutive. Mm. So, Go ahead, Vernon. Is that a mileage just on a flat surface? If I live in Texas, or is that actually? you know, in a, in a hilly terrain. And then not only the other thing, we're using the same battery technology that we've had since the eighties and the seventies. I mean, there haven't really been that big of leaps as far as technology that's used in batteries, right? That's correct. 
Well, I mean, so, there's definitely I mean, lithium available. polymer batteries. I mean, it's still just a it's an object that holds a charge, really. But um, the going up and down the hills is definitely going to make a big difference. You know, like he's got a point when he's talking mm-hmm. about are you cruising across Kansas right now? Yeah. <laughs> or are you driving through Vermont? That's a good question. But I mean, as far as battery yeah, exactly. technology, are you saying that car batteries haven't changed that significantly? Because obviously, we didn't have access to lithium ion batteries and things like that, which you see in phones and other high tech devices. Those didn't exist from in my recollection back in the 90s did they i don't think they did uh so batteries are definitely been mining lithium since the since the 80s and the 90s i don't know how well prevalent it was but it's still i mean so you instead of whatever it was used previously to charge with you you just replace it with lithium when lithium can hold a longer charge but it's still ultimately the same technology the Mm -hmm. battery you know itself you know is still not holding what I would consider a, a full enough charge to really warrant giving up a gasoline-powered vehicle. There's no way in the world that I'll probably ever buy an electric car or even a hybrid in the next 10 years unless there are significant, um, you know, significant uh, improvements in, in battery technology, honestly. I think it's sure. a waste of money unless you just drive from your house to maybe work 10 miles here or there a day. But yeah, I don't know, have if time you're to driving like me g- and you're going, you know, from – from New Orleans all the way over to, to, to Florida, you know, 700 miles, that's that's a long time. Yeah, and, and I don't have know, the dedication to uh, a technology to sit around a gas station for 45 minutes waiting for a car to charge up. Yeah, and, you know, know I've had an ridiculous. idea. I had an idea. You know, consider the size of the battery. And I'll, I'll tell you what, just a, a side note to the caller, I, I have a Kia Nero, and I I got to tell you, I love the thing. I love the thing. Wait, great. that's electric? It's a hybrid. Oh, they yeah. do come in an electric version, mm. but it's useless to me. I need I need the hybrid, but I really really like the hybrid. So the answer to what your problem is with the electric with the hybrid electric thing, go ahead and get the hybrid. Is like your daily to get you back and forth to work. You'll be happy you did. Um, but uh, why don't you go ahead and grab yourself, uh, you know, a C five Corvette from the late nineties as well, something with an LS V eight that scratched that itch. And uh, then you got the best of both worlds, an old Chevy pickup with a V8. You know, it'll scratch that itch. So you can still uh, bring your dyno fuel, and uh, it'll do all the dyno fuel things you want it to, and you have a good time doing it. But at the same time, on a daily, you got something that you can beat around and go get the groceries and get 50 miles to the gallon with. Isn't the cost of maintaining a hybrid vehicle, though, substantially more than just a regular gasoline vehicle as far as maintenance of the batteries and everything? Hasn't been for me. I mean, I think that's pretty dumbed down at this point. They got the technology in line so far now where it's maintainable, and uh, I, I own it. I own it under uh, warranty as well. It's a brand new car, so uh, I'm not worried about that. Um, at the same time, I also recently bought uh, an old beater Prius. That thing's got 240,000 miles on it. runs like a Swiss watch. The battery's fine. <laughs> the battery the battery uh, components for that, the, the batteries in one of these cars, they're not just one battery. It's a stack of several batteries. Mm. And you can find out, you can go through your battery pack with a multimeter, find out which module's dead, pull it, replace it with another one for 30, 40 bucks, I think. Glue it all back together, put the seats back in, and it's good until another module goes dead. So, that, and that's we're talking a 2006 Prius. <laughs> that's a you know 15 year old Prius in that case. So yeah, the the technology's been around for a long time. It's okay. Um, regular mechanics know how to work on them now. Um, Vernon, thanks for the call yeah. tonight, man. Appreciate it. The number here is six zero three two eight three sixty one sixty. Someone who knows nothing about cars. Sarah is on the line. Uh, you've never driven in your life, have you? 
Well, I used to drive my parents' car, but really? after, yeah, but when I was young, but after a you know a big wreck, I couldn't drive my cars anymore. Oh, you got in a car but wreck? At least three of them so far. That's Oof. why I'm I'm really afraid of cars. That yes. explains a lot. Some people all, shouldn't be I, be behind a wheel, and I guess you're one of them. So, were you the cause of the wrecks, or were you like you know the victim? Well, I think I was. Sometimes the cause of the, I think a couple of times I was the cause of it, and one okay. time I was the victim. Uh, but it's still sad. traumatizing. Yeah. But, but I'm all in for the electric cars and fuel cell cars and clean environment. And, you know, I but didn't you hear Matt say just a moment ago that the batteries acquiring them, the chemicals, uh, the... The things that go into these batteries, the, the amount metals. of diesel the trucks pulling it out of the ground are using. <laughs> yeah, that, that you're actually going to damage the environment more just by continuing the manufacture of these things. Doesn't that concern you? Well, I think the the clean air outweighs the battery polluting part of it. That's my it my bent on it. It doesn't. Why not? Well, she just because because yeah. the manuf because. The mining operation, think about when you're taking petroleum out of the ground, right? Mm -hmm. You find petroleum, you drill a hole, you put a pump on it, you let the pump run, and it pumps petroleum out. Presto, you got fuel. Right. Um, you, you drive a tractor trailer out there to pick up the fuel. They take it to a, just to, to a manufacturing plant that makes gasoline and kerosene and diesel. With this, you got to mine the minerals. You got to convert it all into a battery. The, the trucks that are mining the minerals are big mining machines that are running on diesel. Yeah, they're not electric. No, they're dirty. And uh, it just gets worse and worse from there. And then when it comes time, the battery's dead. You got to dispose of it, and it's a hazardous waste situation. That's expensive, too. There's more coming up here. Uh, Sarah, if you want, I know you're calling for a different reason, so we'll bring you back here in hour number three on the way. On Free Talk Live, we're bringing people to the ideas of liberty every day. From wrestling superstars like Glenn Jacobs. You guys really are having an impact, I believe. Like I said, uh, a lot of where I am now is due to listening to Free Talk Live. You changed my mind on some very important issues years ago. To random people tuning in on the radio. I was kind of stuck in the left-right paradigm. I heard your show by chance on a Saturday night. From there, I went on doing the Free State Project and become an amplifier. So, I mean, that's really the reason why I amp is uh, because I know that if it wasn't for you guys being on as many stations as you are, I never would have found the ideas of liberty. You can help more people hear the message of liberty by joining Free Talk Live's AMPS program on Patreon for as little as $5 a month. And you'll get access to special perks. Visit amps.freetalklive.com, amps.freetalklive.com. Free Talk Live. It is Free Talk Live. We're kicking off the third hour of the program. Has smartphone addiction gotten even worse during COVID? With you in the studio tonight, it's Ian, Matt, and Bonnie. You can talk about whatever's on your mind, though. The number is 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Plus, a little bit of good news tonight. As a keen police lieutenant, if you're a, has come out, if you're a longtime listener, you're, you're going to remember this guy. If you've seen Derek J's Victimless Crime Spree, at least, over at VictimlessCrimeSpree.com. I don't mean he's come out as gay. He's come out... <laughs> Yet. He's come out as an advocate 
for mass civil disobedience. And I love it. We'll tell you more about it on the way here. Um, And we've also got a nobody quote from a co-host here on Free Talk Live who sadly is prohibited by his bail conditions from hosting Free Talk Live or being interviewed on any radio or television program. Illegally. Like, that's just what we have to say. It literally is illegal. It's terrible what they're doing to him. Uh, But as part of the uh, the COVID or the COVID... The Crypto Six. You can go to thecrypto6.com to learn more about that case. Uh, Bonnie, you've been collecting quotes from nobody, and we've been sharing them on the air. So these are quotes of things that he said in the past. So he's not on the air. These are things, you know, classic nobody quotes. Here's one of them. Your government today is doing things that you think only other people's governments do. It is engaged in murder. It is engaged in extortion. And that's just the start of it. Yeah, I I think he went off on a longer... Uh, rants after that yeah but that's a good one thanks nobody for that quote he never goes off on rants <laughs> oh wait yeah he does yeah i miss him <laughs> and, totally and, and he makes an interesting point here and that is that people just don't want to believe it's true about their government it's just so normal to them right oh no our government respects rights not even close there's a constitution yeah that that quote he nailed it you know, nobody nobody hits the nail on the head on a very regular basis as far as his criticisms of the government goes. Yeah, absolutely. And it also reminds me of David Lee's uh, article he posted today about independence on Free Keen. It starts off mm. with a picture that I was like, what the heck am I looking at? And it was a, a picture, photo. a picture of a guy being tortured in like Iraq or something. Yeah. And I was like, why does it start off with that? And he says... This is the type of thing your federal government is doing. This is why we need to break away from. This is what we're up against. And they don't really see, you know, I see I see government people kind of as their own anarchists. They're just not non-aggressionist anarchists. There's, what do you mean by that? Government they don't, they don't believe in government for themselves. Oh, mm. right. But yeah. they will inflict all sorts of pain on anybody else that they don't see as one of them. Yep, that's true. So uh, back to Sarah, somebody that loves the government gang. Sarah, I, you know, have you ever seen a government that you didn't like, Sarah? Well, you know what? I really want to talk about Toronto, Canada, or <laughs> Toronto. Toledo, Canada. I just want to mention that I was watching a travel show, mm-hmm. and there are many Jamaican restaurants up there, and I was thinking, why is there so many Jamaican restaurants and immigrants? And I was just pondering and pondering. And what happened was that both of the countries have a, um, they're communist. I made Jamaican friends and they have told me that Jamaica have turned communist. And that's why they were sanctioned in the past and they had economic problems. And of course, Canada has a large communist party and that's why they had the universal health care. So in a roundabout way, I was poking in my mind, and that was the reason why they had so many Jamaican um, immigrants. I don't know if that that. really makes sense. I actually know somebody from Toronto, and he told me that it's the most diverse place in the world. And I was like, oh, is that like a fact? And he said, to his knowledge, it's the most diverse place in the world. So it makes sense that, I mean, Jamaicans can cook. I'm suspicious in New York City right now, but okay. Right, right. (laughs) Yeah, but so a lot of the ethnic people are welcome there. And so, but that's what I... Well, first of all, what I have to say to this, Sarah, is if it's true, and I don't know if it's mm -hmm. true, I've not researched Jamaica's current political makeup or its makeup of politics over the last two or three decades or whatever, 
But right. uh, if it's true what you're saying, and Jamaica mm-hmm. is a communist country, which I don't, again, I don't buy that necessarily because I've never heard it listed in the, you know, the realms of Cuba and uh, Venezuela and North Korea. They don't throw in Jamaica when you talk about current communist countries on the face of the planet right now. But let's give that to you and say that that's true. Usually what you will see happen, uh, Sarah, is people will leave a communist country if they can get out of that place. So if that's true, then those people went to Toronto to escape from communism, not because Toronto is specifically a communist place. In fact, Canada tends to rank on the top, if I recall correctly, the top 10 countries as far as economic freedom of the world. Uh, and I'll have to pull up one of the latest studies to see where it's currently ranked at. But uh, if, they, if they're in the top 10 of economic free countries, they are not a communist country because as, as much as sucks. they're trying what do you mean well, um, what i'm saying is that they have communist communist leaning leaning in other words left left wing instead of going what they would call that going towards the toronto left, had a, re, the a republican crack smoking mayor for a while so no i don't know if i believe you when you say that they're leaning communist well um but this is what i was told for the communist party but see you remember a long time ago jamaica had um a lot of economic crisis, I remember, maybe 25 years ago. And I've asked Jamaican friends, I said, why, why were they having so much economic problems? And what they have told me was that they were communists, they were brothers and um, socialists, and the Jamaicans decided to go communist way, and then that's when they start getting the sanctions. And so the economic collapse that you always talk about is because the the they impose sanctions. Like I know, that's the standard line from the communist governments of the world, and it's absolute malarkey. Now, I will say this. Sanctions are definitely not a good thing, and I oppose them. I don't think that the government gangs of the world should be imposing sanctions. Just let people make decisions on their own about who they want to deal with around the world. So they certainly don't help a, con- a given country. But if you look at, for instance, Venezuela, which is in a very, you know, uh, climatic zone. It's in an easy place to grow crops, and you it know, floats like a raft on an ocean of oil. Yeah, I mean, there's mm. plenty of natural resources there. There's no reason why, even with sanctions, that Venezuela should be as piss poor as it currently is. It's because of socialism. Yeah. It's because of communism. Oh, there was, is why. There was a, a coconut a boat full of coconuts and coconut milk going to North Korea, and then they seized the boat going from Singapore. Uh, the, I think the capitalist the United it? States government, they, they say you cannot ship that to North Korea because they when have to make the communists fail. I mean, that was on the news about maybe, I think, a year and a half ago. It makes me so angry when she calls the federal government of the United States capitalists. <laughs> they are not capitalists. Yeah, Sarah doesn't under, well, doesn't really understand uh, communism. Uh, we talked about it the other night. She seems she just loves it, and she knows nothing about the history. Denies everything about you know the torture and the murder uh, regarding the communist dictators and such. Right, Sarah? Like you know, to you, Stalin's a good guy. But here, here's the thing: is that you know what I really believe? I think they twisted it around. I think that they were they were killed in fighting the revolution. In other words, you right now, if there was a war that breaks out with Ukraine and the the Russian soldiers at the border, how many millions of your neighbors do you have to? What they would say is that Putin killed all of the Russian soldiers. That's how. Well, it's not a communist country right now. So uh, let's go back to communism, where uh, Stalin murdered millions of people in Russia and Lenin. Uh, So, like, they they basically, in order to make 
uh, communism look good to the people in their core areas, which was in Russia, especially in the cities. They had to keep them well-fed and very happy-looking in the society, very clean with modern cars and so forth. So what they did in order to do that was they took all of the food and resources from places like Ukraine and mm. starved the people of Ukraine to death, to death. Something like, what was it, 30 million people died in Ukraine in that area during that time, the the Holomodor, right? Well, I had not heard about that. The Holomodor is a giant, giant, basically a... Not an aggressive genocide, but a passive genocide, where kind of like what England did to the Irish during the 1800s, they just took everything there was to take and left the people with nothing. By the way, there there is a large Jamaican community in Toronto. 3.4% of the city is Jamaican. So if you want some good Jamaican food, get on up there. Um, Although you can't really go to Canada right now because it's like a total lockdown uh, state. It's just awful. Uh, Sarah, thanks for the call, I guess. The number here is 603-283-6160. And I got the ranking for Canada, by the way, in the economic freedom rankings. Not quite as high as I thought, but it's still top 20. More coming up. Free Talk Live. Phones open if you want to join us. And the show is Free Talk Live. The number 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. Coming up at the end of the year, New Year's Eve, we will be doing a special Freer Talk Live episode. And during that episode, that comes after the radio show is over, we'll start at probably around 1030 Eastern. Uh, You can join us there and we'll talk about whatever the hell we want. And we don't have the FCC getting in the way in that particular case. Plus, we'll be giving away a BitBox. This will be the second BitBox giveaway uh, that we're going to do. And everybody who is a Free Talk Live supporter via the AMPS program will be qualified to win. So yet another reason, another perk uh, to consider becoming one of the Free Talk Live AMPS. You can do that over at amps.freetalklive.com. But what is the BitBox? It is a hardware cryptocurrency wallet, specifically for those using uh, Bitcoin BTC Litecoin and Ethereum. If you are uh, big into those, you definitely want to check out the BitBox. Again, 100% open source. You can go and get your own right now over at box.freetalklive.com. That's box.freetalklive.com. Use code FTL. You'll save 5% there. But again, one of our amps will be the winner of that coming up New Year's Eve on Freer Talk Live. So uh, whether you want to continue to talk about communism which is why uh, what sarah was calling in about and there's obviously a lot to say unfortunately she will not listen to a single word of it because she's convinced that it's some sort of a good thing to force people into a system that she thinks is better than others and if indeed the system is so good then you shouldn't need to use force you should be able to just get people to sign on board and- well she doesn't believe in killing capitalists she believes in putting them in Jail. In prison. Yeah, she said that last night. Uh, By the way, Canada, number 14 on the World Economic Freedom Rankings. This is according to the Fraser Institute. And I thought that they were uh, higher ranked than that. But still, that still puts them in the top 20. And that means they are relatively economically free. So, no. As far as, like horrible governments go which is all we have and they are horrible there's no doubt canada has gotten a lot worse in just the last two years and to be fair these statistics are from 2019 Mm. canada is one of the most locked down countries in i mean in north america they're probably the most locked down 
right? Because you look at yeah. Mexico, they're relatively open. Mm-hmm. Uh, the U.S., it's a patchwork. And Canada, straight across the board. I mean, maybe the Northern Territories have some more freedom. I don't know. I don't hear much about what, what goes on there, but it's bad. Mm-hmm. Like, you cannot leave Canada now unless you are vaccinated. That's loony. Whoa. Yeah. Yep. I didn't hear that. Yeah, as I understand it, they just put that into place uh, as far as international travel is concerned. You must I be understand vaccinated. you cannot come into Canada unless you're vaccinated, but shouldn't it be the choice of the other country? If you, yeah, you would think. Yeah, but if this you want to leave. This is the problem with you know what we were talking about earlier. It's like, get to where you want to be. Because if you are in a place like New York or California or Illinois or some of the states in the United States that are more likely to go in that Canadian direction and start locking down their borders and start keeping people in the state. There was a headline I just saw as I was scrolling through uh, social media a few moments ago that New York has had record numbers of people leave. And at some point, the New York government gang might say, well, we don't want to lose all these people. They don't care. You don't think? No. What if people keep leaving who are business owners and taking... There's just so many people there. It doesn't matter because the entire the entire state will run right off of New York City for eternity, and mm-hmm. they're fine with that, and that's all they care about. They have never cared about cared about upstate. Oh, I thought you meant the, the city. I'm not clear on where the people are leaving from in New York. I Everywhere. imagine a lot of them are leaving from the city, but also elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And it's a smart thing to do. Yeah. Uh, there was a uh, Justin O'Donnell, who's a, a free—I don't—he's not a free state project person, but he's a liberty guy here in in New Hampshire who migrated here for the uh, f- well, not for the freedom migration, but he moved here and then found out about what was happening and he stuck around. Uh, but he interviewed Larry Sharp, who is the New York State uh, Libertarian pres—not presidential, but uh, gubernatorial candidate there. He's, I guess he's run at least once, maybe more than once, for the governorship there and. He's one of those delusionals that's just, he believes he's going to somehow change things in New York and he's going to stick it out. Someone needs to stay and fight. You know, it's kind of the mentality. And it's like, why? There's there's no shame in admitting defeat and saying, you know what? This isn't working out. It's okay to say, hey, let's try something different. Let's try something that actually is a proven success. And that is... Because, you know, we're not just talking about some sort of speculative movement here. We're talking about a thing that now has nearly two decades of track record mm-hmm. and success after success. The migration of freedom-loving activists to New Hampshire has been an incredible success story here. Uh, whether you want to join the Free State Project or just get up and move, it's up to you. But you've uh, got to get here if you care about liberty. I want to throw something on top of that. <laughs> as a former New Yorker? As a former New Yorker. Not, not, no, not not really as a former New Yorker. But as a native? As a, as a, um, as a, as a Free State Project participant, as yeah. a freedom migration. You moved, what, almost part- a decade ago now? No, 2013. So, okay. yeah, it's seven yeah, years. Almost eight years. I can't believe it's been that long. It goes fast, guys. Move here. Stop wasting your precious life moments somewhere that hates you. Mm. Move here where there's other people like you. So that said, uh, we've talked in the recent past about how Twitter is on fire. The Free State Project Twitter page is just outstanding. Oh, yeah. Jeremy Kaufman's running that thing. He's he's killing it. crushing it. Well, now... I don't know if you've heard of this. Have you heard of the progressive state swap application? Well, I know the progressive state project is sort of a humorous takeoff on the free state project. So created by free staters. There's a Google Doc. Mm-hmm. And this has been posted publicly where you will be paid if you leave New Hampshire if you're 
a socialist or someone who finds it abhorrent in the direction that New Hampshire's going, mm-hmm. like awesome. the liberty, the liberty direction. If you don't like the liberty direction, these guys will pay to move you wherever you want to. How go. much money? It's there's a whole questionnaire associated with it. What uh, what do you describe yourself as? Uh, what what are your political leanings? What's your email address? Are you? Pro- I'll read it to you. Are you a progressive or socialist currently living in New Hampshire? Are you dissatisfied with the direction the state is headed? Are you dedicated to progressive and socialist values? Do you dream of moving to a state that is more aligned with your values? Would you like financial help to migrate to that state? Mm. The winners of this contest will illustrate how libertarians and progressives can work together to ease political tensions by swapping one libertarian and one progressive between states. It's a win-win. That's awesome. It's a win-win. Moving them each to states that more align with their political values. This program will pay for A, a moving company to pack your stuff. Wow. B, a moving company to transport your stuff. C, transportation to your to your party, transportation of your party to your new home state. Hmm. And D, a down payment on a rental in your new home state. Amazing. Wow. And it, the thing is, Alu, I don't know if he's a part of this, but he was a part of the original Progressive, progressive state, project. state Project. He's seriously, he's not joking when he says he wants to help the progressives get out because it's seriously a place that is getting more and more... Um, I don't know who made this, but I would not doubt it if he had a, a heavy hand in it. <laughs> and, um, and he's not joking, you know. He's not. He's not just trolling. No, he actually no, wants this, to help. This yeah. looks for real. That's got a, a, a maybe ten or ten or twelve questions that they ask. The and, question uh, is, will someone actually take him up on it? I hope so. I hope so too. There was a there was one lady who posted on Twitter about how she was frustrated with New Hampshire. She wanted to get out, but she can't afford it. And there were literally it got shared around with the free staters and there were really like honest offers of assistance yeah. that were posted so I don't know if she took it seriously <laughs> or took him up on it but like as long as they can prove they're not going to come back I think they should sign an agreement saying they will never set foot in New Hampshire again Absolutely. more coming up it's free talk live you can join us here. The number is 603-283-6160. 603-283-6160. With you in the studio tonight, we've got Ian, Matt, and Bonnie. Uh, we will continue with more of your calls and thoughts. Plus, we got the uh, smartphone addiction story still to come here. If you want to join us, though, you can take control of the airwaves here on Free Talk Live. Again, 603-283-6160. We're going to go back to CW. He uh, tried to call in earlier, got disconnected accidentally. Uh, CW, you're on Free Talk Live calling us from Arizona listening to K-Talks. Go ahead. Hello, my friends. I just have a couple things to say. Sure. Uh, Earlier, it was about those little blowy things for DUI driving and all that crap. Yeah. Um. You know, typically, I think what they would do with those uh, those units, they would just hook it up to the ignition wire, so you could easily bypass them by just wiring them correctly, so you can just bypass it. Is that not unless unless they want to invest all the money to make all the ECUs? You know, they want to reprogram all the ECUs with chips and all that to make it so you can't bypass them easily. You know what I'm saying? Well, what we were talking about earlier isn't old technology. We're talking about new technology for 
blood alcohol content detection that they're talking about putting in all new vehicles manufactured as soon as 2026. And so it will not be the the method that you're talking about. Whatever it's going to be is not going to be that method. They haven't decided, though. It would be something uh, they read through your skin or something through the air of the entire cabin, apparently. Those are two options, and those are, you know, who who knows what else is going to be on the table by the time five more years goes by. So the idea is you're not just going to be able to swap some wires and disable this. It'll be part and parcel to every brand new car and, you know, tied in with whatever computer system they have. Okay, so they are going to integrate into the ECU, so now all cars are going to cost at least $10,000 more. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's going to be way more expensive. All right. All right. That was just my first point. Um, Food stamps, you know what I'm saying? I'm not a communist like uh, Sarah. So, you know, I like, I look, I have been on food stamps before, and I lied about being homeless once so I can get $400 a month on food stamps. But guess what? I still work through the food stamps. So I was double dipping, you know. So it, would you call me a capitalist because I love getting food stamps and I would get my cash pay from my job? The, I, w- I think the word opportunist to be more fitting. And that's, and that's <laughs> okay, you know what, there, there's in, in libertarian circles that comes up. Uh, you know, a exactly. lot of people's take on that is, you know, I've been robbed all these years. Shouldn't I take, milk it, if you can get it? take it back? Take back whatever I can get back. As right? long as you're willing to subject yourself to whatever they're going to do to you because, you know, they want you to fill out forms and bend over and jump through hoops or whatever. And They might come us- after you later on and say, hey, you're going to pay this back now. Who knows? Like, you can't trust those people. CW, anything else you want to share? One more thing um, about stereotypes. Yeah. Oh, gosh. I don't want to sound racist or anything. Oh, I know I'm going to. I'm going to sound so racist by saying this. Right, this isn't my intent, but Sarah is Korean, right? I have no idea. She said she her, said her grandma was from there, so she must she, must be least part. She did say her grandma was Korean. She did, and yeah. She looked Korean. She didn't escape Korea, but you guys were saying yesterday that you have to escape Korea because you can't just leave. You have to escape. Right? Well, North, North Korea. Korea. Okay. Yeah. So. Okay. Oh my gosh. I, I I'm gonna try to get this. Okay. Well, she said she's been in accidents about three to ten times. I know it's not ten, but and she said she drove for Asian, like less bro. than a few she years. Said, Aren't all Asians don't all Asians always get in car accidents? Like, I don't know. On. It is a thing that people say, and I presume they would exactly. say it more about Asian women, but I don't know. I'll tell you, I lived in Ithaca, New York for four years, and if you ride a motorcycle in Ithaca, New York, you are out of your mind. Why? Is there a lot of Asian drivers there? Cornell University has a ton of Chinese international oh, wow. students, and Bro, they are- I didn't, want to sound a- I didn't want to sound racist. I'm sorry for bringing that it, up. It is what it is. It is I didn't know that is. was like a real thing. My friend Megan, she's never been in a car accident. And I have been in lots of car accidents, and I'm white, and Megan is Chinese. Thanks for the call Just tonight, one person. CW. I appreciate it. The number here is 603-283-6160. Has anybody ever looked into why that is? No I don't idea. think it's true. I think, I, think, um, I think it's just cultural. You know, I think... Uh, I think certain, you know, Americans aren't great drivers compared to Germans. Uh, New Yorkers aren't great drivers compared to Vermonters. It could definitely be true if you're talking about somebody from Asia. Then I can always see how something like that 
could be, I mean, a stereotype that has something to do with a person from another country can be true. But if it's just like somebody's race and they're American, probably has nothing to do with how good of a driver they are. Nah. But yeah, I, I can see what Geographical you Geographical and cultural. Is all. I, don't, I don't think it has anything to do with race or, or you know. Even IQ people from that. different cities drive differently. Yeah. All right. Well, here's an interesting post uh, from the AAA. So the AAA looked at some numbers from the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration, who's been recording traffic fatalities by race since 1999. And uh, the evidence shows that driving accidents are the leading cause of death for all races, ages 4 to 34. And that said, in 2006, the crash fatality rates for the Hispanic, white, and African-American populations were very similar. So 12.27, 12.5, and 12.31 deaths per 100,000 people, respectively. So pretty much statistically the same. The real differences show up with Asians, whose fatality rate was only four deaths per 100,000. So according to According to the AAA, at least they're only looking at one year here, but in 2006, Asians were actually safer drivers by significant uh-huh. factors. Wow, not in Ithaca. <laughs> <laughs> Stay out of there. You know, drive with a full row cage or a big automobile in that city because you're gonna get you're gonna get crushed. It's Who dangerous. was the worst at driving? According to the numbers, it was Native Americans whose really? rate was more than twice the national average as far as deaths per 100,000 at 31.17 deaths per 100,000. Now, wow. of course, you want to talk about stereotypes. They're stereotyped at being drunk more oh. often, right? So I don't know if that's a factor. I'm just saying it's a stereotype. So uh, the number is 603-283-6160. You can join us here. All right. So one thing that's definitely going to cause you to uh, to have an accident in the car is too much smartphone use uh, mm. behind the steering wheel. It's incredibly yep. dangerous. One of the accidents I got into is because I was turning on Postmates, and the next thing I know, my braking car is totaled. Oof. Was that where you ran into like a pole or yeah, something? Yeah, I ran into a, a stupid, pointless sign that said something about... I don't even know. It wasn't a stop sign or a yield sign. It said, "Watch out for a deaf three-year-old." No, it said something like, "This is now you're in this county." Mm. So stupid and pointless. And then some uh, standard by tried to call the police, so that way I had to pay for it. Some I don't even know how I got out of that. Well, you would have had to have been towed, right? You said you totaled the car. Well, yeah, my car got towed. I'm saying Cops I don't know. I don't point. know why I didn't get. You just throw it into reverse and end up in the other county that way. <laughs> It was such a, it was something like that, and it made me so mad that it even was there. Smartphone addiction, according to studyfinds.org, was a common problem before 2020, but a new study has found that constantly scrolling through your mobile device is actually making the pandemic feel worse for many. Researchers in Germany found that too much smartphone use during COVID-19 leads to poor self-control, increased fear of missing out, and repeatedly dwelling on negative news. I think that's just true all the time. It has nothing to do with quote-unquote pandemic. Well, they're saying that over the last two years, the study finds cell phone use has skyrocketed as the world deals with ongoing changes in their daily lives. Study authors are hopeful their work can produce new strategies for reducing smartphone overuse. Quote, problematic smartphone use is fostered by the interaction of loss of control, fear of missing out, and repetitive negative thinking. So it's a it's an escape for people, basically, that they can go to this smartphone, which uh, I want to get deeper into the, the discussion here, because I think it's a problem for a lot of people these days. I admit, I'm on the thing too uh, too often. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can join us here, the number 603-283-6160. That's 603-283-6160. If you want to talk about your addiction... 
to the smart devices, you're welcome to join us here. Or you can bring up whatever's on your mind. 603-283-6160. You can join us here on Free Talk Live. According to AugustaFreePress.com, they talk to insurance actuaries who, you know, crunch numbers all day long, and they look at statistics, and that's kind of their job. Uh, According to their data, they say here that uh, Asians in the United States pay less for insurance on average, which means that they are safer drivers on average. They say that uh, this story published 2018... According to the numbers, auto insurance premiums for all drivers come out to just north of $900 per year, or about 75 bucks per month. Then you break it out into racial categories, the average Asian driver in the U.S. is actually paying an annual premium of about $815 per year. Hmm. So about 10% less, less than the average driver in the U.S. Kind of interesting. Uh, So we were talking about smartphone use, and is it worse now under the COVID situation than it was before? I mean, it was obviously a problem before. I think everybody, you know, who's had experience with these devices knows their addictive potential. And if you're honest with yourself, you probably spend more time than you'd like to on uh, one of these things. So researchers, according to studyfinds.org, put together an online survey Uh, Speaking with 516 adult smartphone users, the poll conducted in April and May of this year asked people about their typical smartphone habits, as well as questions regarding self-control, fear of missing out, and how often they think negatively. The results showed that all three factors show a direct connection with greater severity of problematic smartphone use. While the observational study cannot pinpoint an exact cause for this, researchers add the data suggests all four factors may play off each other to create a larger problem for mobile phone users. For instance, fear of missing out can play directly into a person's low sense of self-control, leading to problematic smartphone use. Moreover, a tendency toward repetitive thinking appears to have a strong relationship with FOMO and excessive smartphone use. I think that the whole adding the word pandemic to your news article thing is just a result of you get more clicks. I think that this article could have been written at any time. Mm. Um, It's always going to be bad for your mental health to be constantly scrolling on Instagram. Mm-hmm. You know, Jay was over here the other day, our, you know, one of the Free Jay Talk Noon. Live, Jay, Jay Noon, yep. he's a host sometimes here on Free Talk Live, actually, but um, I was jabbering with him the other day, and he was mentioning, and he's so right when he said this, but he said... You know, he he doesn't like the smartphone thing. He said it's just dopamine hit after dopamine hit after right. dopamine hit. And people are chasing that dopamine hit. So people probably aren't necessarily dedicated, you know, addicted to the smartphone as much as they are the dopamine hit that the smartphone helps them release. Yeah. I often will just text my friends that I talk to the most on social media. Here's my number. And I'm going to delete Instagram for a few days. And I always feel so much better whenever I do it. But eventually I'll be like, oh, I want to know 
what's going on with this person or you know something and mm-hmm. then i get back on and then it, i forget right that back i ever into your old habits yeah i get right back into my old habits but i do it pretty often and it always gets me really productive and happier it's just that i don't know there, i wish that there was a way to do it in a more i don't know it feels like there's no way to have it on your phone and not be addicted to it like every single mm-hmm. break, you can't control your use of the app is what you're saying i can i just don't <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it just it's a it's a thing with people who have an addiction is using any amount of the thing leads to a greater use of that thing. It's Mm. very, very difficult for whether it's we're talking about the use of alcohol or nicotine or one of these dopamine uh, deliverers like, you know, Instagram or Facebook or whatever we're talking about here. You know, Facebook did me a great service as far as becoming unaddicted to the cell phone. Facebook did me a great service by blocking me 30 days in a row twice in a row with only like a, a day and a half break between the two bands are you still blocked no i'm i'm unblocked now but i don't go on anymore That's yeah. like i do i mean i was on it three or four i think i posted three times today but okay. you know uh, some like i'll i'll remotely share from somewhere else into facebook but i don't actually hmm. go check on the post always yeah like if you're reading an article you can share yeah nikki made me breakfast this morning i took a picture of it and put it on facebook and people laughed at or whatever but i'm not i I don't get my news you're not hooked on it no and i I find now that i haven't been on it when i go check out the news feed on facebook it's just it's depressing it's trash the people who are on there are all depressed and acting like trash to each other and to themselves i don't miss it i haven't been on it since uh since 2018 i I, I know and i'm jealous i remember when you gave it up i'm like you sure you want to do that dude come on i was trying to i was trying to i was like the drug dealer on the yeah. playground trying to get you to come back into Facebook. Well, you know? here's the thing, and, and they actually point out here in the final part of this article is that they think the smartphone addiction actually makes the problems worse. So, like you're saying, people on Facebook already are kind of down and out, and it's a negative place to yeah, be. Yeah, it's horrible. It's the ghetto and, of the internet. It really and, is. And it, so then you're feeling negative, uh-huh. and you go to this negative place, and so it's like, like a feedback it. loop yep. of negativity, while at the same time you're still getting the dopamine hit, yep. right? So like you're getting the, oh, new thing, oh, new thing, but it's negative. Oh, new thing, but it's negative. Mm-hmm. And the, oh, people are arguing. Oh, but it, you know, and it's, it's just, it's not good for you. I can't just let this. this idiot commie be. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I have to trash them here and now or the world will come to a complete stop. Yeah, when I was looking for nobody quotes recently, I mm-hmm. went to his Twitter and I spent like an hour scrolling backwards in his tweets and replies because apparently his uh, second job from Free Talk Live, his side job was going and arguing with commies wow. on Twitter. <laughs> wow. But there's got to be some good quotes. He, he is great at arguing with commies, yeah. <laughs> well, he kind of came from that background a little bit, too. Right, that's yeah. true. It's true. Uh, so people are, you know, they, they get hooked on this stuff, and it just creates this feedback cycle where the problems just get worse. So I, I got to say, the best thing you can do, if you cannot wean yourself off of it, is to just quit cold turkey. And <laughs> in my case, I did uh, wean myself off in regards to Facebook, uh, I started to implement my own control system where I would not check the notifications until it hit five because I would always check it at one. As soon as there was one, yeah. I would check it. I always have to click on that one. And yeah. even if it's something uh, like I see it pop up already, I have to get rid of the one. Yeah, that's that. they know that. And they, they know that system is very attractive for people. So I went to five and so I would only click it when it was at five. 
just I would just refuse until it was at five, and then I would go to ten, and then I went to twenty, and then I went to thirty, and then fifty, and then eventually it was at like seventy five, and then if you actually get to ninety nine, it stops. Like the number does not go past uh, ninety nine. And what I noticed once I started to get up in the like the thirty and fifty range was that usually when I would click on it, kind of like you were saying, Matt, it was just garbage. Like there was actually not really anything there that I even really wanted to be notified yeah. about. And and then it's just I've realized that I'm just completely wasting my time even looking, even waiting until 70 or whatever and then trying to read through all this because it's just not even worth yeah. reading through it. You know, I, I found another interesting little. And then I walked away from it completely. Yeah, good for you. Yeah. And I found an inter- another little interesting data data piece that helped me actually hit the eject button on Facebook even a little more because of Facebook. When I was on Facebook constantly. It's like they remembered stuff about me. They knew how to get to me. Interestingly, oh, yeah. when you're gone for 60 days, Facebook starts to forget what your preferences are. No way. Yeah, That's they nice. didn't they they were showing me stuff that I had no interest in That's so at weird. all, like lots of it. My whole my my entire news feed made no sense. I didn't I was like, what do I care about this for? You know, I, none of so it. So strange. Yeah. After the FBI raid, it actually cured me of watching these stupid snapchat stories for the longest time like i used to be like why am i looking at this these are so boring they're usually just like they appeal to the lowest common denominator they're so stupid Mm -hmm. i just get i see a headline or whatever i click on it because that looks interesting that i'm looking at something unrelated and Mm. uh, they have so many ads and get so annoyed with the ads but for the longest time i just completely was cured from looking at them because i had my phone taken away by the fbi but now I'm kind of back on it. You know, TikTok's the same way for me. People send me a TikTok thing and I'll watch it and then it'll spin into the other thing and do another thing. And and I'm like, how do people do this for more than one thing at a time? This is garbage. Seriously, I can't have TikTok on my phone because when I did for like a month in 2020, I was like, this is an issue. Did you guys (laughs) hear that TikTok is now the number one website past Google? It's number one. Google is no longer. Yeah, meaning it passed Google. (laughs) Google was number one. Now TikTok is number one. <laughs> How it is so it's bad? In the news. It's in the news now. Well, if you people get are just into, all over that site, they love it. If you get into the internet enclave of TikTok that you're interested in, it's usually like so interesting. Like I bet there's a really cool gun section of TikTok, and oh, there's, yeah. there's all kinds of TikTok like TikTok militia. There's all <laughs> kinds of things I like on there, so I could get stuck for the rest of my life on TikTok. That's why I just don't even have it on my phone. Out of time for tonight, but whether you want to talk about internet addiction or I'll save the good cop story for you for tomorrow night because uh, that's a really interesting one. But if you want to see it sooner, you can just go to freekeen.com. I published it tonight about one of the bad guys in victimless crime spree turning good. Plot twist. Yeah. He's Saw confused. that one coming. See you tomorrow. <laughs>